Well, good morning. I am delighted to be here with you today. Greg and I, we go way back, work together in different things throughout the years, and God has built a tight friendship there. And then uh, Elsa and her son, Cardona, they're graduates of the College of Biblical Studies, where I serve, and very good friends. In fact, Elsa was uh, my administrative assistant, tried to teach me Spanish, but I flunked. So... Um, but anyway, delighted to be here today. God is good. And um, just a quick um, uh, background. I'm going to run through my background quickly here, and we're going to get in this message because I'm going to change uh, application that I didn't give in the first service that I think is very apropos. Thank God wants me to give it here today. But I like to tell people I am what I am by the grace of God. In 1968, the year that Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, Robert Kennedy was assassinated, we had racial unrest and all over our country, so on and so forth. As a senior in high school, two white men came to my house on a Monday night, presented the gospel to me, and I got saved. I mean, I changed 180 degrees. I'm, I was the first black person to be baptized in that church. My mother said, boy, you look like a fly in a bowl of milk. I told, I told her, no, I'm just a drop of chocolate. Give me some time. I'll flavor them all. But, uh, but God radically changed, changed my life, and uh, I wound up going to Bible college, and Sharon and I, um, we met there, and, and uh, we got married there. We have six children, um, four biological, two we adopted, and um, as God, is, God has been good. Sharon went on to be with the Lord in November of 2021, but 48 years of marriage, we praise God for that. God called us to a ministry. And uh, I am committed to that ministry right now. I tell people I'm trying to honor God in what I do, and I'm trying to honor Sharon in what I do, because God has been very good to us, and I'm very thankful for that. And um, God's plan is accomplished by God's hand. That's going to be my theme of the sermon that I give today. Uh, you've been going through Judges, but one thing I want you to understand is you're going through Judges, and as you read the Bible... The Bible is not disjointed. The Bible is one continual story. And one thing you and I need to get aware of, we are aware of it, but we don't seem to want to settle on it, and that is that human beings are born and human beings die. The only consistency in the story from Genesis to Revelation is God himself. And as you look at Judges, you're looking at one of those times as God is building this kingdom and working his plan that he's put together. He's got individuals he's using. Judges is a very difficult time in the history of humanity. And, and you and I need to, need to understand that. And I want to I say to you that you have been born for such a time as this. We've got shootings. We've got inflation. We've got the battle over the abortion now that the law has been revoked, Roe versus Wade. We, 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 we've got hunger. We've got the war in Ukraine. We've got all these things going on raging around us. But I want you to know that in the sovereignty of God, you were born for such a time as this. And I want to ask you a question as we get ready to get into this message, and it's simply this. What will your legacy be? 20 years from now, 50 years from now, when people look back on this time in history, what will your legacy be? 
Will, it, will you be seen as a man, a woman of God, saved by the grace of God and dwelt by the Spirit of God, living your life in obedience to the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, so that you made a difference for the glory of God at this time in history right now? God has put you here for such a time as this. As I think about this and this message, I'm in... Um, thinking about what God has called me to do at the College of Biblical Studies as the executive director of Grace Relations. I also have a, one of our adopted sons is um, quadriplegic, Matt Ware. I'm going to talk about that a little later, but I want you to just see him right now. That's him after having an accident that left him a quadriplegic in 1998. He has a wife and family right now. When his mom died, he was suffering with bed sores on his buttocks, and they went down all the way to the bone. He had to be in bed for about uh, three months. He just got up, I think, last week, a week before last, out of bed. But when he was in bed, he was still working. He has a, ter- a determination for which I praise God. And because of that, and to honor my wife, I've created a for-profit called CSW Ministries, Charles and Sharon Ware Ministries. It's honoring the past, that is, Sharon and those behind serving the present, that is, I will be speaking through that. Matt will be giving his story through that. We'll both be sharing the word of God, impacting people for the glory of God, and then leaving a legacy for generations to come. The ministry that God has called me to, as I said, is God, Grace Relations. That is God's reconciliation at Christ's expense. Listen to me closely. I have a book out there, One Race, One Blood that I wrote with Ken Ham. When I say grace relations, that's, that's by design because I'm talking primarily to Christians. We who have been saved by the grace of God. We who have been made one by the grace of God. See, the one race, one blood tells this story. We were created by God as a human race that gives every human brain dignity because we're created in the image of God. But we fell into sin. That's why we go so crazy in our world. But there's a redemptive story. His name is Jesus Christ. And he can save and make a difference for the glory of God. That's what Grace Relations is all about. And I want you to get a hold of that. Now, what I want to, what, we have some books and things out there and things that the college is doing and offering you. But I want to go ahead on and get in, the, into this, Judges. Last week, Greg went over and he talked about um, fear fact, and faith with Gideon. Gideon is a man of God. Gideon is a human being created in the image of God. And, 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 and yet Gideon, Gideon came from a small family. When God came to Gideon and called him a man of valor and, and a valiant soldier and what God was going to do to him, Gideon said, hold on, you got the wrong dude. I come from a small family. We're not that great. I think you got the wrong guy. That was his fear, his fear of trying to do what God wanted him to do. But then God, God uh, gave him some facts. No, you are my chosen vessel. You are my instrument for victory. And Gideon began to see himself as God saw him. And then that led to faith so that he could act in faith, not in himself, but in God. I want to say to you and I want to say to myself, are you a Gideon? Every born-again believer has been indwelt by the Spirit of God, is gifted by the Spirit of God, has a 
purpose in the plan of God that will be accomplished through the hand of God for the glory of God. You and I need to get that straight in our head. It's not what you want, not what what society tells you or the government tells you. It's what God says about you. And you and I have to figure that out and understand God's not in heaven twiddling his thumbs and, oh, my goodness, I didn't know this was going to happen in 2022. I don't know what I'm going to do. God is in sovereign control. He has you here and he has me here. And so what I want us to pick up as we go through Judges 7, what I want us to pick up, that God's plan is accomplished by God's hand. And I want you to think about this. Are you saved? Are you indwelt by the Spirit of God? Are you gifted by the Spirit of God? Does God God have a plan and purpose for you at this exact time in life? Can God's plan be accomplished through you? Only by the power of God. But if you're his, you have that. And I want to look here at, at, at how God worked this out with Gideon. First of all, God's plan accomplished by God's hand so that the praise is not mistakenly given to God's man. I want you to keep that in mind, that one of the reasons God drives us to weakness is so that we might depend upon him so that when he works, there is no explanation except that there's a living God who works in you and through you for his glory, for the advancement of his kingdom. You and I need to get that through our heads. Here, God is working with um, Gideon, and um, here in, in verses 1 through 8, the Bible says, Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moab in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart from the Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that those of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whomever I say to you, uh, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink and the number of those who lapped uh, putting their hand to their mouth was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Mennonites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions on their trumpets in their, in the trumpets in their hand, and they sent away and the rest of Israel and everyone that was in the tent. 
remained 300 men. Now, you know when I, when I read something like that? I said, that's crazy. Now, see, if you go in chapter 6, Gideon had already told God, I'm a weak man, I'm not a leader, so on and so forth. And God says, no, you're my man, you are a leader, and I'm calling you to go. And besides, you, got, you, look, you, you don't really know, so, so, so I'm going to give you these tests. Ask me to do this, ask me to do that. And he did it, and Gideon was convinced, I'm your man. But Gideon also said, I got an army. <laughs> and God just said, you got too many. So let's strip them down. And he goes from thousands to 300. Now, I don't know about you, but if that happened to me, I'd be saying to God, uh, what you say? This ain't going to work. But may I submit to you that sometimes the problem with seeing the plan of God work through his people is that we are not weak enough. We haven't been stripped from our own self-dependency, our own haltiness and pride. That God has to break us down and bring us to a point that if a victory is won, it's going to be for his glory, not ours. So he strips Gideon down. Come on, get, 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 get down to 300 of them, Gideon. Now we're talking. We got something. And why is he doing this? So that when I give you the victory, it won't be because of you, but it'll be because of God. May I suggest to you, my dear brothers and sisters, that we are living in a time and in space where we need to see the hand of God. We need to be broken before God. We need to be weak before God so that we can get out of God's way so his power can work in us and through us so that those around us will know there's a God in Indianapolis. You and I were born for such a time as this. But the question is, are we weak enough? And will we, will, will we give God the glory? I like in verse 9 here, it says, And it happened the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise and go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hands. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp of Purim with your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterwards, your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost and of the armed men who were there in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. Their camel, camels were without number as the sand of the seas. Now remember, Gideon got 300 men, and this is what he's saying. And verse 13 says, and when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companions. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley, bread tumbled into the camp of the Midians. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned. And the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, into his hands, God has delivered the Midianites in the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of the Midianites into your hands. Then he did, he did divide it, the 300 into three companies, 
and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers, and he said to them, look at me and do likewise, watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow, when I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you shall blow your trumpets on every side of the camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Now, Gideon needed re-encouragement. You know, God is so merciful. God is so patient with us that even when we say we know the call of God on our lives, even when we say we believe God, we've looked into his word, we've figured out his will, we're trusting him, we still have moments of weakness. I spent a lot of my life giving God's counsel. He hasn't taken any of it yet. But I tell him all the time, God, and you, you don't want me to do this. God, what do you, I can't do this. God, I, 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 I don't have enough resources. I don't have this. I don't have that. God, 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 God. And God finally said, shut up. That's sin. Do what I tell you to do. Oh, but he'll bring something along to encourage me. He'll give me a little thought. See, I'm working over there. I'm working over here. In fact, um, uh, Greg and I, we're part of a group we're calling the Grace Relations Network right now, but I'm believed, I believe that in Indianapolis with all the shootings and all the things going on, God has a remnant. God has saved people in this city who are serving him. They, we don't hear about them on the news. And we, don't know, we don't even know who one another are. And, and, and so we're looking for that remnant to pull them together and together say to this city, God is at work in your midst. And I've talked to several people here at at uh, Mercy Road, even today, that I didn't know what God was doing in this city through you. You are part of God's remnant. And sometimes God just has to encourage us. And God has to whisper into our ears and, and reassure us, yeah, you're on the right track. Yes, you're doing the right thing. Yeah, you might not see it on the evening news. No, people might not be talking about you like you want them to. But God knows who you are and what you're doing. And you're here for such a time as this. I want you to note um, God's uh, work with uh, 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 Gideon, that his, his, his plan it's accomplished through God's hand. The Bible says here in uh, verse 19, so Gideon and the hundred and the hundred men with who, men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch, just as they had posted the watch, and they blew their trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew their trumpets and broke their pitchers. They had the torches in their hands and the, and the, and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled. Man, what a strategy. 300 dudes against thousands. And then the thousands turn on themselves. Israel doesn't even have to fight. What's up with that? You wanna, these I wonder, how 300 people going to put 1,000 to flight? 
Well, historically, when they go to war, they, only a few people carry torches. Only a few people blow horns. So that one person represents hundreds of people. Now you got these people surrounded on every side and they see 300 torches. To them, that meant, woo, woo, they're coming in a flood. The trumpets blow. They say, we're surrounded. And God, and I think God just miraculously did, uh, divided them. They started fighting amongst themselves, killing themselves, and God gave the victory. Have you had any victories lately? I mean, it's good for you and I to think about things that God does in our lives that is beyond what we could do. It's good for you and I. Listen, history is the unfolding of God's plan through humanity. Men and women are born and die. Only God is constant. You and I have been born by the providence of God for such a time as this to play a role in history at this time. If you are born again, you have the spirit of God, you've been gifted of God, and God wants to use you for his glory. And when he does, he wants you to give him the praise. That's why I tell people working with the government, I don't make a good undercover Christian. You come tell me, but you can't talk about God. You lost your mind. That's the only thing that keeps me rolling. That's the only reason for me. And what's been done through me has been done by the hand of God for the glory of God. And I need, and I want you to come to know him. Repent of your sins. Believe on him. Be saved like I'm saved. Know the joy. Know the peace. And look for eternity because Christ is coming back. Do you have a story? What has God done in your life? Will you give him the praise? Or will you take the credit? God, 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 listen, God wants us to give him the praise. Now, I didn't share this story in the first service, but God convicted me to share it. Because when we're talking about being weak, when God is stripping things from us and stripping us down so that when we look at what he called us to do, we're saying that, what I had to get me there, you've taken from me. I'm so weak now. I'm so broken down, I can't do it. And we have to remember this. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I told you about our son, Matt, and the for-profit ministry I'm starting, or have started, to honor Sharon, my late wife, and to actually help Matt get his story out in the Word of God. CSW Legacy Ministries. But let me tell you about Matt's story. We adopted Matt straight from the hospital when he was born, came in our house. Sharon loves kids. We adopted him, and then here in Indianapolis in 1998, he's in a basketball practice, and... uh, at Heritage Christian School, the ball is going out of bounds and defense, he pushes the ball back. He goes head first. His head hits the cinder block wall. His vertebrae, fourth vertebrae is shattered and it severs his spinal cord. He's quadriplegic. I'm on the West Coast out there preaching for a seminary and a, and a, and a, and a, and a church. 
And I tell people that, that when it comes to the whole racial thing, I'm talking about one race, one blood, because the seminary is predominantly white. When they heard about what happened to Matt, they wanted to pray for Matt. I didn't care whether they were white, black, or polka dot. I just wanted to know, could they get through to heaven? They prayed for me. I went to the plane. I went to the airport that night to catch a 1 a.m. plane. They, some other guys came there, four pastors. They were all black. I didn't care whether it was black, polka dot, or whatever. I just wanted to know, could they get through to heaven? And when I'm on that plane flying back to Indianapolis, I'm sitting in my seat crying, and I'm saying to God, you called me to preach. You called me to preach. I'm in the ministry. I'm going to have to leave the ministry. I'm going to have to give up everything. I got to take care of my wife. I got to take care of my son. I don't know how I'm going to do it. God, why did you call me? And God brought to my heart Romans 12, 1 and 2. While I was sitting in that seat on that plane, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your lives a holy sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. And stop being conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And God just said to me, I knew Matt before you did. I brought him into your home. You I've taken care of him 16 years. Now all you need to do is be a living sacrifice. And I just had peace. But the tears were still flowing. And I get back to Indianapolis. And we get back to Indianapolis. And on the front page of the Indianapolis Star is a picture of Matt. And the caption is, young athlete injured but not his faith. And, and, and the reason that was there is because I was out of town, but they call his mother. She goes to the school. He's on a stretcher. They're taking him to take him to the hospital. He's there. His back's down. His mom comes up. She's leaning over him. She's crying. He's looking up, and he says, Mom, pull yourself together. Remember God's in control. There was a writer for the Indianapolis Star that was there. He heard that, and so Matt was front page on the Indianapolis Star. I'm coming back. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to take care of my family, and, 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 and I'm prepared to, to leave the ministry. And, and, and I even asked my one son, who was about to graduate from college, "Would you come home? Would you help me take care of the family until I can get get on my feet?" And he said, "Yes, Dad. I'll come. I'll, I'll work, and I and I give give you the money that I make so that we can take care of the family." I was weak. I didn't have any answers. I felt God had called me, but I didn't see how I was going to continue home. You know what God did? Here's what God did. My church called a meeting on a Sunday night, and, and several people set up this Matwell Trust Fund. And on a Sunday night, they took up $167,000 for the Matwell Trust Fund. Amen. Some Christian business people, they put on a, a banquet. They took up a hundred and something. We wound up with three hundred and something thousand dollars. Some construction workers at Heritage Christian School said, well, you need a handicap adapted home. And so they said, we will build you a home at our cost. Between what they put in and sell of our house and what others gave, we moved on a 10-acre lot with a 
a, over 3,000 square foot home, fully handicapped, adapted. We moved in debt free. And then the Kroger food store gave us a 1998 Dodge Caravan that was refitted for handicap, and we got that debt free. I was weak, but God was strong. God supplied. And then on top of that, I was telling God, in fact, at the college I worked at, Crossroads Bible College, I told them, I'm sorry, I know you need a president who can, who, who, who can represent the college, and, and I can't do that now, so I know that you're going to have to get a new president. I understand. I, 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 I'm gone. They said, take care of your family. We don't care how long it takes. You got a job. That is God. But here's the crazy thing about it. I was telling God, how am I going to, how, you call me to preach. I can't get the word out. Matt was on the news all five days of that week. His story was written up by the Indiana Women's Magazine. I said, boy, how are you getting a women's magazine? <laughs> he, he, it was taken up by radio stations, went all the way to Holland, the number one young people program, that individual heard about Matt and wanted to do his testimony over there. Prisoners were hearing about his testimony. He, he went international. And then the last uh, conference that the Billy Graham crusade had in Indianapolis on youth night, they filmed some athletes, they filmed this, they filmed that. One of those films was Matt Ware's story. You know what? I had to say to God, if I wanted to get the faith of our family out, having a handicapped son has helped us do that better than when everybody was whole. Praise be to God. Man, I said, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I went to get a flight out. I went to get a flight out. And, and, and I don't forget what was happening. They were changing seats or something like that. Oh, I know. My wife and I had flights, but she wanted to stay home with Matt. And I was going to fly. I told him I had to cancel the flight. The guy was canceling the flight. He looked at it. He said, where? Where? Is your son the one that's in the paper? I said, yes, sir. He broke his neck. That's right. He said, oh, man, I'm putting you up in first class. Praise God. God can work through our weakness. Here's some questions I have for you. How then shall we live? How should you live? How should I live? God got Gideon. God got Gideon. He broke him down. He, he made him weak. And then God gave him his strength so that the victory was not from Gideon, but from God. What about you? Let me ask you a question. What is God's purpose for your life? Do you know it? Have you been in the scriptures? Have, have, you, have you been quiet long enough to stop telling God what you want to do and start asking God what he wants to do through you at this time? What is God's purpose for your life? Secondly, are you weak enough to be an instrument of God? Or is your pride hindering the hand of God for making you the man or woman he wants you to be? You don't say, I don't understand, Lord, why you're tearing me down, why you're breaking me down. And God's saying, you're too proud. I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. 
You're my man. You're my woman for such a time as this. But are you weak enough to get the power of God? Another question I have for you. Is your faith in God's or human wisdom and strength? You know, one of the ways you can tell that is how earnestly and how often you pray. Proud people don't need to pray. Proud people figure, I got to figure it out and God can come along. But weak people, broken people, they don't know where the answer is coming from. They know they're not strong enough. I tell God I miss Sharon Ware. My son is still a quadriplegic. I go over to his house from time to time to help him and the family. But I cry out to God. I cry out to God. The whole racial thing. I'm not looking to the government. I'm not looking to a race of people. I'm looking to God to work in my heart and work through my life. Are you, are, you, are you seeking God? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Who are you trusting? And then I want to remind myself and I want to remind you that when God works, we need to give praise and glory to him. We need to let people know, hey, God has done this. This is God. That's why I said, I will not make a good undercover Christian because I will share the goodness of the Lord in my life. Where are you? My desire for Indianapolis is that God would bring a revival in the church and an awakening in the land. I want to live to see the breaking news stories about I don't know what's happening to these people. They, they're, they're giving up drugs. They're, they're, they're giving up immorality. They, they try to change life. They're talking about this Jesus figure and, it, and it's changing their lives and we haven't seen anything like this in our city. I want to see politicians fall on their knees in repentance. I want to see people all around fall on their knees in repentance because God God has taken weak people like you and me and manifested his presence in this city in a way they've never seen it. That's my prayer. That's what I want. Oh, friend, are you weak enough to be an instrument of the power of God? I want to encourage you, you can go out to the table and get that book, One Race, One Blood, because I am passionate. If you are saved, we are one race as Christians. And we need to labor together to advance the kingdom of God. Got information out there on a course that I will facilitate. We get a hold of that. Just want to serve you. But here's the thought I want to pray for you on. Why has God put you on planet Earth? And I'm going to tell you right now, you cannot complete that plan without his hand. Are you weak enough? Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. God, is hard. It's rough. We seem to be surrounded by so much opposition. Bring us to the foot of the cross. Help us pour out our hearts in our weakness and may we experience your presence and your power to be the man woman of God that you want us to be advancing your kingdom 
God, I pray for those who might not be saved, don't know you. All this is foreign to them. The enemy has blinded their minds. Open their eyes that they might see and bring them to the gospel that they might taste the goodness of the Lord. In Christ's name I pray, amen.